Hey everyone and welcome to episode 25 of the Audience Please podcast with me, your host, Adam. So thanks for listening in and just before we dive into the next interview, I wanted to announce a special podcast that we at Audience Please Towers want to put together. Um, obviously we're all missing live music this year due to cancellations and postponements due to what's going on in the world. Um, we miss the dirty floors, the leaking toilets and the overpriced beer of venues up and down the country and abroad as well if you're listening uh, abroad as well so i wanted to celebrate some of um the listeners favorite moments so uh, i really want to hear your stories um, and just bring back some positivity and reminisce over some really good times that everyone's had in their lifetimes in a in a dirty little venue or a big venue uh, for that matter so what I need from you, the listener, is to record yourself briefly talking about one of your favourite gig memories, whether it be a show that absolutely bowled you over or just a hilarious story that you want to share. It might just be a silly moment that happened. Um, obviously, there's some guidelines I need uh, from people who are submitting stories just so we have some consistency. Please keep it under three minutes long. As much as I love to ramble on this podcast and have my guests ramble on, um, want to include as many stories as possible so try and keep it under three minutes um please 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 mention the venue um obviously venues are really struggling right now so we want to celebrate them and it might be venues that other listeners um weren't aware of so giving them a a, a little shout out is great um try and mention the tour or year or both um as uh, add some context as well so for example, we saw Queens of Stone Age on the Era Volgaris tour in 2007. Obviously, I chose Queens of Stone Age <laughs> as, a, as an example there. Um, and then just for like audio quality, um, just try and make sure uh, the recording is aud audible. Um, so if you have a mic, brilliant, uh, and obviously record through that. But um, recording through an iPhone and headphones is absolutely fine, or even a, a laptop mic. Just please make sure before you send it over it is audible. We'll try and do our best to, to clean up the audio and make sure it's even more audible. But if it's really fuzzy, um, we probably won't use it. And last of all, have fun. This is supposed to be a, a fun podcast, um, and we want some really hilarious stories as well as um, really memorable stories from from gigs and venues up and down the country. Um, so please submit by the end of November. I'll be hammering it on the socials over by over the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, I want to put it out by the end of the year and send your audio files over to audiencepleasepodcast at gmail.com. And again, I'll pop that in the socials. And I'm really looking forward to hearing everyone's stories and putting that together. So back to the episode and on this episode I have a trio that have made a name for themselves on the on the underground scene for their live performances and humour and it is of course Twisted Ankle from Bristol. Um, they've played a lot of shows with uh, a lot of my previous guests such as like Frauds and John and um, McCluskey um, and I remember seeing them a few years back at Fraud Sunburn Aldea actually for the first time and being surprised to say the least with their with their live show, which we, we obviously uh, cover in the in the podcast around what that sort of entails. And they finally put out a, a full length album a couple of weeks ago and 
yeah, it's it's superb. It certainly encapsulates uh, their live sound and live energy. And again, we we dive really deep into that new album and some of their wide ranging inspirations, which were really interesting. Um, obviously, a lot of bands within our world uh, they have sort of very uh, linear influences. Uh, these guys really brought to the table some really interesting musical influences um, and musical backgrounds for all three of them um, so it was really really good to dive into so anyway enjoy the episode and uh, get submitting those stories for the fan special and i will catch you next time bye <laughs> Hey guys, how are you doing? Yeah. We're managing, yeah, it's pretty, nice. Pretty okay, I guess, is the answer. It's the... Yeah, exactly. The assumed, yeah. like, level of, you know, horror that just is, you know, underpinning every conversation at the moment. But Yeah, yeah, just like normal existential dread that's just like perpetuating <laughs> everything I live in. But, you know... <clears throat> I'm dealing with it. Actually, tell you what, I'll start off with a little anecdote. I had a, I had a bike crash earlier. Oh, um, sorry, mate. And it was it was pretty nasty. I've already told these boys, so I'm repeating myself a little bit. But like, yeah, it was like an hour and a half ago, so I'm I'm still a little bit in shock. And I oh, cracked shit. my helmet, <laughs> so that saved my life. So anyone listening, wear a helmet if you're cycling, because it it's yeah, it's gonna save your life. I would be in hospital right now if I wasn't wearing that. Wow, fucking hell, man. So sorry to hear yeah. that. What, so what happened then? Did you just fall off on your own? Or yet? Honestly, I just I hit a stone and I just okay. went over the front of my handlebars and I just like, yeah, it was all a blur. I was in shock. I had a little cry. I called my mum, <laughs> you know. But yeah, fucking I'm all right now. It's all good. Fucking hell. Well, it's a, it's a Friday evening, so I hope you've uh, at least got a drink in front of you to settle the nerves. And <laughs> Yeah, I've got, a, I've got, eight, I've got eight beers. <laughs> <laughs> just just settle in and get more drunk over the podcast. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I don't have them with me. Oh, damn it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you run off if you want, if one of the other guys starts chatting. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, it's been a, been a tough time during sort of lockdown this year. So yeah, what's been keeping you guys going um, sort of the last few months during lockdown? Um, and anything that you've... Is there any music that you've been listening to that, um, that you've picked up and given you a bit of drive through these times? I went through a really long phase of listening to loads of jazz. I listened to loads of Thelonious Monk. Nice. Uh, he released an album in the 60s. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh, let me just find it. Uh, sorry. I got a computer right in front of me, so I might as well use it. Uh, but like, but like, it's just been quite good, like, because it's quite timeless and like, it's just really nice to just kind of like get lost. It's yeah. Monk's Dream. Monk's Dream by Thelonious Monk. 1962, I think. Um, but that 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 album specifically stuck out to me quite quite a lot. I don't know, it's just because whilst I was working, I, I changed jobs in this. I don't know how, but like my last one was like 
was 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 just like doing this boring like clicking through stuff constantly like and i just listened to like jazz for the whole day and like that album has got quite a lot of like memorable memorable bits in it and it's it's really quite nice like and it, obviously it's instrumental so it's not too involved you don't want to be hearing about someone hating their ex-girlfriend <laughs> whilst you're whilst you're clicking through loads of like you know like clicking through the data being like uh, yeah, yeah i know right but no no it's it's like i say it's quite timeless and it's really like it just kind of it's all that's the thing about jazz it always like it's, it's just never it, it, it keeps you know, it, it keeps it, your brain just, ticking feels, but it doesn't you know, over overall override what you were doing right in front of you mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. the beauty of it. I've been listening to lots of big beat actually, so similar. Nice. Uh, <laughs> just had like a, I don't know, like an early twenty first century, late 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 nineties, early noughties sort of music. I, it was just an era that I was so checked out in terms of the contemporary stuff. I never really listened to music that was coming out around then because I was only what eight or nine. So it, yeah. it was a yeah, you know, it's not early enough that it's sort of in that nineties milieu right but it's so absurdly uncool and so you don't get it through uh kind of nostalgia cycles just yet and i'm trying to head off the nostalgia for uh prodigy and chemical brothers and fat boy slim uh so i can sound like i was there um yeah so yeah. for some reason that's what i've been i've just been listening to loads of that yeah nice one. yeah i went uh, funny enough you you mentioned like chemical brothers and um that sort of era of dance music i went to the electronic music exhibit up in uh, up here in london uh the other day and uh yeah it's one of those things it's like i was born sort of 10 years too late mm -hmm. i would would have loved to have been there yeah. when chemical brothers started out and raves were in warehouses and and that kind of thing for sure where I where I'm from in North Wales, there was a huge culture of raves. Like every now and then, like when I was growing up, I'd meet someone who was a bit older than me, and it was just like regaling stories of like absolutely packed raves in this farm in like the middle of absolutely nowhere. People would go from Manchester, Liverpool, because they'd be because they'd be just like completely crazy. Like they, you know, they passed legislation. Yeah, they were really fighting they against it, it back then. Like. It, yeah, it's crazy. Like, and it's just, yeah, it's just a reason why a lot of the people around where I'm from are all, all a bit loopy. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah there, was, there was a part in the exhibit, you, uh, funny you mentioned that, they were mentioning about when raves became such a massive thing. And there was one, I can't remember where it was now, it's going to annoy me, maybe that somewhere like Wiltshire. And it was like 200,000 people turned up for like one of the first ever like raves in the UK. And that's, yeah, like five years later, um, legislation was brought in going, no, 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 you need a license for this kind of thing. About, uh, about yeah. like, how long, it was ages ago, probably like five, six years ago, perhaps even before Twisted Ankle was a thing, the three of us and some other mates as well, went to this like um it was like a 90s reunion night it was like a house it was like a house <laughs> oh, night yeah. in Cardiff. old school like piano and, <laughs> yeah see you, they, they're remembering it they're remembering it and basically we we went and we were like we were off our nut right and and we turned up and we were, expe no, we were expecting a bunch of people who are our age well we didn't really know it was like a reunion night we were, we were expecting a bunch of people who are our age and it was all like basically like couples in their 40s who obviously had met doing these fucking raves and they were all like oh my god it was, it was hilarious it was just like loads of 40 year olds off their fucking face um and like just us like kind of slightly intimidated by them like oh you're having a good time and they're like yeah having a good time mate. having <laughs> a good time chewing their face off really coming out to us as well in the in the uh, in the outside like 
you're a bit young, aren't you? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you like this music? Like, yeah, 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 with the pianos and the gospel. Yeah, 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 we really like it. He's like, oh, that's brilliant, that is. That's brilliant, yeah. Uh, there were loads of people really happy to see us, honestly. No, it, he's not lying. It was, it was, it was great. Like, I remember, like, at, like, 5 a.m., like, kind of looking into the mirror behind the bar, like, who am I? But also then looking at this crowd of people singing, like, singing along to this electronic music, because it's not something you see very yeah. often. They're all just like, yeah, that, yeah, that vocal yeah, sample yeah. stuff. And it's like, these are the lyrics are the same lyrics in the last song and the song before that. Like, how are you knowing the difference? I don't yeah. understand. But, you know, obviously, like, you know, they probably think the same thing about, like, Death yeah, Grips exactly. or something. Um, I'm sure they have big opinions on that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, for, for listeners who haven't listened to Twist Ankle, we'll get on to it. Um, yeah, Twist, Twist Ankle aren't a dance band, by the way. Uh, bar they're, they're excited for dance music. Um, Bruno, Any, anything's a dance band, man, if, yeah, if, yeah. if you try hard enough. <laughs> um, Bruno, before we move on, anything you've been listening to, mate, um, during lockdown? Yeah, and- well, over lockdown, I mean, lockdown's been a long time, and like I go through big big phases so if i listed everything it would be long time but like <laughs> i mean there are some things that have been really big for me big influence there's um i got into really into caitlin aurelia smith who is like a um she's sort of like a new wave um electronic artist she's very very chillax but she's been really really good for for sort of um low-key but still slightly experimental kind of lockdown vibes but interestingly like when i was a kid i was never really i say kid i mean teenager i was never really like that big into like metal i got into metal quite late compared to most people in the like rock scene i guess um and i never really got into thrash metal and like about four months ago i just like suddenly fell in love with thrash metal and i was listening to obviously slayer at first but then kind of like working through all the other kind of like lesser known like there's a there's a german band called creator that are just oh, absolutely creator brutal. amazing yeah yeah like so good and um i think there's one called the legacy or something um yeah and just like i was just kind of getting to know all these like classic 80s thrash bands and yeah, I've come out of lockdown being a big thrash fan, so that's that's been my big, my big learning nice. curve, I suppose. Yeah. Have, have you watched? Yeah, it's good to yeah, see. Yeah. Have that. you watched the? Uh, there's a. Funny enough, just watched it uh, the other week. There's a thrash metal documentary um, that I watched like two weeks ago. It's up on Prime, so I don't know your thoughts on Prime. Oh, nice. um, but yeah, um, well worth checking out. And they, yeah, obviously it's about more about like American thrash metal, but like creator on it, and they do sort of explore like, especially like German thrash metal. It's oh, it's absolutely well worth the watch. Sick. Um, yeah. So. Oh, I know. I'd love to watch. The, the, the great thing about creator, and like I kind of vibe with this because I think Twisted Ankle's got the same thing, where like you kind of get the idea that they didn't really think they were. You kind of get the idea that they don't sound like they think they sound. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Like. Hundred percent. They're yeah. all. They're try, They're trying to sound really like fast and tight, but they're actually super loose and out of time but that makes it even heavier because it's just like complete chaos um yeah. and i really yeah i really like that it's creator yeah, a lot of the uh go on. no sorry it's, it's creator the one that we were talking about where you said the, the drummer just plays as fast as he can and everyone else tries to catch up to keep yeah, up with him yeah yeah that's so, exactly yeah, what it's so like yeah, yeah. So, all right, all right, yeah all right because they're, right. they're all so yeah. just like <laughs> occasionally they'll all hit on the same you know, and it comes together like a cadence. It's great. 
Yeah, jo- jo- Joseph, I think they're hinting at some uh, drumming tips for the, for the next Twisted Ankle record. I know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just writing up a long list of things that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in the band. But, but yeah. <laughs> just, just, to, just to remind them, but no, no, no. I, I, I'm not classically, I'm not trained on the drums. I taught yeah. myself. And I think, like, you know, like I think that that sort of comes through um, you know, maybe creator are probably a bit more, you know, trained in some <laughs> ways, but like there's that, there's that, they, they are more, you know, generally a lot more, you know, that, that's kind of more on the kind of same ballpark what we do, but I don't like, I, to be honest with you, I've never really yeah. used them too much or at training, all. I've got to be training honest. with this man. <laughs> He's talking about creator. He's like, yeah, I know creator so well, man. Like, they're, they're a great band. Never heard him. Never heard him. I'm just happy to hear. I'm, happy, I'm just happy to hear you listening to Crash Bell. I grew up on that shit. Like, like that, that's. Don't, that, uh, just, I don't want yeah, Joe to speak for uh, Bruno and myself when he's uh, talking about a lack of training because we're. Uh, we're, when it comes to this band, it's a weird we're, one. We're Bru- classically trained. Yeah, well, Bruno and I met in a in a sort of classical music context. Mm. So hold hold that thought. I was just going to move on to that. So I was going to kind of t- uh, intertwining with what we're talking around, like creator and what you've been listening to. Um, some people who listen to the podcast might not know you guys, which is fair enough. I, I wanted to dive like what's your massive inspirations um, behind the band and what you're about and actually how that brought you together and to create that sound. So talking around like you guys uh, having some more musical training than Joseph maybe and uh, and <laughs> how, you, how you sort of came together to create the sound that you've got because from from my perspective... I remember seeing you guys for the first time. It's probably sunburn all day. It's always sunburn all day seeing a band for the first time. And I remember just standing there and going, I don't know how to pinpoint your sound. And because you're a bit crazy on stage and anyone that knows you guys know you, you've got very energetic uh, live stage presence is you're very hard to pinpoint. So yeah, I w- let's dive into that and what your influences were like starting Twisted Ankle and how you sort of came together. Don't get me wrong when I say uh, that well, when you say that Bruno and I have more training than Joe, that is not <laughs> something that I think is particularly utilised in any way in this band. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I've tried to get away from any rules I learned as much as possible. And that's part of, that's probably the main thing that's driven me personally in this is trying to avoid being uh, beholden to those rules that I was kind of, uh, you know, taught at some point when I was younger. But Bruno and I met um, through a brass band we were in. Bruno's an amazing trombone player, um, and I'm a, I'm a trumpeter. And we we uh, we met like in what secondary school, I guess, because we're from the same. We're both from Bath, uh, and then um, we never really made music together like that. We were friends, and then we ended up at uni together in Cardiff, and. We um, we you know we became much much more close there and uh, and jammed a lot playing playing uh, never really with the brass instruments then by that point we were playing uh, we were playing rock music and uh, there's I was looking through some old stuff on my computer we worked some real stinkers early on some really <laughs> really dodgy songs but there's some brilliant stuff in there too um, but then yeah well we by the time we met Joe we were relatively you know uh, sort of on the same page as far as what kind of sounds we wanted to make but um we uh well why don't why don't you take it from there somebody else i i, I don't know how to tell tell the next bit 
Well, so basically, uh, from my point of view, when I when I the first person I met out of this band was Henry on the stairs in metros in Cardiff, which is a hilarious uh, um, nightclub that plays. It's one of those places that still plays Lincoln Park like all night, but it's got stupidly yeah. cheap drinks. Like, and I met Henry essentially got up the stairs. Like I, I don't really remember the conversation. Well, I think it's because I we've just met before like, that. We just, if you don't remember, we met uh, in a taxi <laughs> on the way to Two Thousand Trees. On the way because to Two Thousand Trees, really yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember why it came uh, up. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That was it. Your mate was wearing I I got a uh, uh, no, very fast, very dangerous T-shirt, and I was like, "Oh, I love Ruben. I love Ruben," uh, as you do when you're a kid who's never seen Ruben and see someone who's heard of Ruben. Um, uh, so yeah, we had a massive sort of love in about that, yeah. um, and then never saw each other again until until a couple of until like a year two metros. later, and then we yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, now let's come back to me. So I met Henry in a, in a cab on the way to Two Thousand Trees with Kieran. I That's think right. I might have Sorry. been wearing a Ruben T-shirt, Henry, and ah. it was the pink one with See, the, yeah, yeah. Like the truck on it. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 and like, uh, yeah, like and um, like. I, you know, I think we just kind of like started hanging out a little bit more, and then, like, I was in a, I w I'm in another band as well called The Sooner. We play like post rock, math rock stuff. It's quite, you know, quite massively different to this. But like, we, um, you know, like they, I was playing the drums, and I think you guys wanted to jam, and like, um, it took, a, a, you know, we jammed for the first few times, and we got found a real like connection, like a music, music sort of musical yeah. chemistry going on there, and it like. Eventually, we started coming up with the first few songs we started playing, and like, obviously, I think we practiced for about a year straight before we it was played any shows. Practice is a strong yeah. word, to be honest. <laughs> Experimented <laughs> with various levels of disregard for form and yeah. content in what we were doing. But for me, it was like, like obviously, my other band is way more rules. You got to like think about stuff and like, you know. This is this is this is just no, no, like, this is just mindless. Bruno, like we're not like it's like it's not like we're not playing legit, literally math rock, post rock stuff, which is way more like smart. Like you know, it's like smart in terms of like, and it's like more like it's closer to metal than it is what we do, Bruno. Like to be honest. I, right. I, th I think that so I think I think the other two are just making sure you don't slag off your own band here, Joseph. Slag is better. It's fine. No, it's just like a it's just like a different a different yeah. approach to like like as a as a being in like the band that does like sort of more of conventional math rock post rock so a band that's doing completely experimental stuff. It, like for me, it was just like it was nice to have two yeah. different worlds, and like I've always wanted yeah. to be in a punk band, like. Like I, you know, I I, I start. I went through a really strong phase when I moved from North Wales to South Wales. I was starting to listen to loads of like hardcore, like Black Flag, Black Flag, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Dead Kennedys, like all these like super like super like raw as you know raw raw as raw as fuck like hardcore from the eighties and like the late seventies in America. You were talking about documentaries. I remember watching yeah. American Hardcore. Great, Have great you seen American Hardcore. Um, like and like, like I just I just you know that and like that stuff like all a lot of, a lot of like the weirdo stuff involved in that as well kind of like you know, kind of want I wanted to do something something basically what I wanted to do was something really really like 
heavy and like just kind of straight up and these guys <laughs> wanted to do it Gavin can and make that happen for you like like and I, <laughs> yeah and I, so it's like you know and it, it is it is it was it was it was fun like i have fun with the other band as well this was just like another outlet like and like you know it's 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 exactly what you know i you know you know what I wanted at the time, and well, what from there? Like, yeah, let's just carry on, Bruno. What were well, you it's funny saying? that you say that. Like, you wanted to make something heavy because, like, that was something that I definitely wasn't. It wasn't that I wasn't interested in making anything heavy, but like, I didn't really care whether it was heavy or not. Personally, like, I, I grew up on lots of. Um, I mean, as a, as, a, as a teenager, I was very like self-identified with like experimental music, basically, and yeah. probably quite pretentiously so. Like, I just really, really enjoyed anything that made me not like it and then like it so i was really into like animal collective and frank zappa nice. and like 20th century composers and like i was into other stuff too like obviously i like you know i like like vampire weekend and crap like that you know but like <laughs> the bands that stuck with me were always the ones that like really challenged me and like i, I just really enjoyed anything that i was like what what the hell is this like this is new this is interesting to me and i think like i really wanted to get something going some sort of like creative project going in university that, that would stimulate that in some way. And it didn't like, for me, it was like, it didn't matter what the genre was. It didn't matter like what, because another one was like crass. I was really into crass yeah, as nice. a teenager because firstly, I'm quite political and I care a lot about that. And they're very political. But secondly, because like crass were a band that, you know, they kind of, they kind of just ruined all the structures that, that a lot of punk bands ended up like falling into. And they, they had a lot of, I don't know, if you listen to, like, Nagasaki Nightmare by Crass, for example, it's like a, you know, eight-minute, like, weird, almost jazzy elegy to, to the, to the <laughs> victims. So good, it's, it's crazy. They're so, Yeah, so they're, they're good. just an insanely like, good band. Good. And they just didn't care about what anyone thought. And I was like, yeah. I want to be in a band like that, you know? And I think the heaviness came from mainly these two, to be yeah. honest. Um, like, I, I like heavy music, but it's not, like, the be-all and end-all for me. Yeah. Uh, recently, I've got more into it because of Twisted Ankle, if anything. And I think like we ended up making music and it ended up being really heavy. And I think what was so great about like, and I, I, again, like I jammed a bit with Henry before I met Joe, but we all like, when we, when we meet and met each other, like the three of us, it was just so obvious that it worked because all three of us were willing to just break as many boundaries as we, as we were comfortable doing. Like Hmm. we were just like, look, if we go on stage and people go, what the fuck is this? (laughs) then we've almost succeeded. Yeah. Like yeah. all of us were happy with that. All of us were willing to be like, yeah, if, if like the entire crowd hates it, but they went, what was that? And they're confused by it. Then like art- artistically we succeeded. Like that was, that's all we like wanted to do. And I think all of us had that intention behind us to kind of like, to, to make people go, this is, this is weird that, basically. That and, 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 I, and I like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Uh, on, I, I, I um like for me like when we when we eventually started playing shows the the the, the energy was something that was really yeah. important for me and like and it comes from the whole hardcore thing where I was talking about before just wanting to do something not not necessary was necessary we thought about what we were writing obviously but performances I wanted it to be like like those videos you used to watch of of Black Flag and Bad Brains and like you know Crass as well like just just fucking crazy like you know what i mean just like just fun and that, that early on was definitely like for me a, a very a very good and fun thing i've always been a bit performative um, but I yeah, yeah, to yeah, say, on, sorry just very quickly if we're talking about influences aside from the obvious and i don't think we can't 
I don't think we can avoid mentioning on this podcast of all podcasts just how much because I think of the three of us I'm the biggest thief um, by far uh, in terms of being an obviously influenced musician and like I've just always wanted to do something like Andy Falcus does in terms of the the way that the humour comes through but the biggest influence of, of another band on this band by far is actually another band that Joe is in that he hasn't mentioned um, that I won't go into too much detail <laughs> about. But Joe yes. is in a semi-improvised uh, comedy duo. <laughs> Call them a duo, yeah. Called duo, Pheasant definitely. Circus, which is sublime. <laughs> and, and you know what? Okay, I'm just going to say, if anyone listens to this, sorry, the people who are listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a few <laughs> listeners. Calm down. <laughs> No, sorry. Well, they're listening. They're listening for you, not for us. Let's be honest. The people, oh, no, they the, are. The, the, yeah, yeah. The people who are listening to this, if you're going to come away from this and listen to a band, don't listen to Twisted Ankle. <laughs> listen to Pheasant Circus, please. Pheasant Circus is so much more important for the world than Twisted Ankle will ever be. So go home and listen to Twisted. Well, you're already home, but go and tw- listen to Pheasant Circus because it is. Absolute yeah. genius. We don't like, want to say too much about and, it, but it's uh, I, it's it's kind of where the a lot of the humour that we try and well that ends up coming out of us is inspired by the energy and the the genius in in that band um uh, um, (laughs) one more thing one more thing we We need to let adam talk it's his podcast (laughs) no that's this is why i've got you guys on because you guys can chat you can you can go all night You're fired, Adam. This is our problem. We pirated it. We're going to be hosting the next one. Yeah. Okay, so one last thing. One band that really got me wanting to do this really badly was Blackfish. Because I fucking love Blackfish. And, like, they're a huge influence on me. Maybe because they're quite political. They're very quite political amongst all the random shouting they have in their music. Like, very much a huge influence on me from early, early on. Big, big Blackfish fan. I will pray every single day until we get a Blackfish reunion. Nice one. Well, peace out. Yeah, full stop. Next question. Uh, thanks to Joseph there. Um, yeah, um, actually, I w- wanted to talk a bit around, so obviously following on, um, talking around humour and uh, Joseph's uh, a comedy act that I didn't know about, which I'm definitely going to check out after this. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 when we go on about it. So, you guys, are you guys, everybody showed into frauds on tour. It was like, oh, uh, like ten in the morning, and they're like, they're like, showing us, and I was just like, just nothing, just, just oh, turn it off. Sorry, just turn, I heard my voice coming out, and I was like, no, hey, hey. <laughs> Comedy, comedy duo and frauds go well together. I'm sure. I'm sure they loved it. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, not at ten o'clock in the morning in Leeds. We're all hungry. That's over. fine. Um, so yeah, obviously you're. Uh, I've got you guys on because you've got a new album out, um, which I've had the pleasure to listen to a gazillion times. And it's yeah, it's really great. By the way, guys. Um, I did want to talk Thank around. That's all right. Um, I did want to talk around how. Because this is your first full length, I know you've recorded a few bits in the past. How did you find that whole process, having played a lot of the songs for a, quite a long time over sort of the last few years? Um, but also, how did you... So when I listened to it, and when I've listened to it, I listened to it again just before we started chatting. You've, I think you've managed to deliver that energy onto record, which is great. How did you guys find that process uh, in doing that in the studio? 
Um, okay, well, it's a difficult question to answer because, like, it, it's something that we've always had a lot of angst around, I think. Like, we... we, we we were really proud of our live show, at least like 70% of the time. 30% of our time, our, our live show falls completely flat. Um, and like, we don't do a very good job. But 70% <laughs> of the time, like, we're really proud of it. And we think it's really good, or at least interesting. And I think like, we'd done a bit, bits and bobs, demo recordings and stuff like that. And we just felt that it just wasn't working. Like, there was just something missing from that, from that, um, yeah, from that kind of studio recording. Um, and I think that we did it. I think we could have done it better, to be honest. And I, and I guess you shouldn't say that after you've just released an album. Like, we are really proud of the album. Like, the album is good. And I think we're all really happy with it. But, like, part of me, at least, is, like, next time, how could we get that energy across even better? Because, like, a lot of effort, a lot of specific time was spent brainstorming how to, like, put spoken word bits in, how to, like, make certain bits sound kind of more interesting, how to just kind of pepper it with with that sense that this is like three blokes who are kind of going mad in a room and you're you're joining us basically like you're you're going to go on this journey and you're going to feel mad by the end of it whether it's like depressed or angry or like motivated or like just generally crazy or whatever um but like a lot a lot of what ended up on that album was improvised and was made up not the songs obviously the songs weren't improvised but like a lot of it was like added just like because we were like, oh, I'm going to write a poem and I'm going to do a poem over this bit. Or I've got an idea for this bit. And even after we'd rec like been in the studio, like afterwards, like in my room, we were recording bits and bobs, <laughs> just like throwing it on, just like chucking it on. Like um, team building, for example, um, that was Joseph and, and me just like in, our, in, in my room, just like, oh, we should put a little bit of like spoken word over this track. And we just like recorded it and we just like whacked it on. So, yeah, that's kind of it was just like an ongoing process, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think like, and I just remember playing in that in that rehearsal space for hours. That play this, I remember. I I, I can hear myself getting <laughs> tired in the songs, but yeah. like, I like, and it's just like, it's 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 it was a, it was an interesting experience because like, we haven't done something like that that intensively over that much time. Because we did eat yeah. a phone in yeah. one day. Um, how how long, how long did you spend recording in the studio then? Was it three three days. It was two days record. It was two days um, live uh, live instruments, and then uh, two yeah. day, and then a day of uh, day of vocals. I think vocals and bits. Nice. So there was some. I think there was a there was a little bit of like synth dubbing we did on that third yeah. day. Yeah. Trump, there's a bit of trombone uh, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bruno, Bruno uh, brought his trombone along. I should have brought my trumpet, but we we both ended up playing his trombone over the. Uh, which bit is it? Is it the um, the choruses of? Uh, so it's, it's, it's the it's the it's the bit of right, mortgage because yeah. there was always a joke. There was always a joke. So in in I always wanted to be a mortgage. I always piss off the lads by um <laughs> by singing a sort of like cliche post hardcore sort of like <laughs> never gonna leave you <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like the clean uh, vocals sort of yeah. vocal over the top yeah, of the yeah. we always cool. had this a, joke a, of like a bit like American, a bit like American football and then you've got the trumpets yeah, coming yeah, in the back exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be that way um, so we decided we decided Cla classic arc tangent sound 
yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been really funny, but I think a lot of people would have listened to it, and it's the first song, and they would have been like, okay, this band actually sounds like this, as yeah. opposed to like, oh, this band's taking the piss out of this. Yeah. yeah. So we, we we ended up kind of not going with that, and instead adding a bit of trombone, which you can barely hear anyway. It's like very backgroundy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go, go on. Go on, Joe. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, uh, Joseph, you were you were saying something. Sorry, I interrupted. You were getting tired. We c- I we had such a yeah, good we're moment. Getting tired. We yeah, I was getting tired. I, I like, I, I'm like it was it was just like I started to really really hate the songs. <laughs> like I was like I I I, I like the, some of the songs we've been playing for absolutely donkeys. Like and like. Playing my favourite shops, I, I, I almost like we could almost wholly agree as a group, right now that song what? is it's what is, like I, I <laughs> it's like my it's like my child. I love it, but I also like you know come on you just move out now like you you kind of <laughs> you you've been around you know you're you Joe, know, you're not the one who has and, to fucking sing it, mate like. <laughs> Uh, so that song, yeah. that went, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sick of that song too. The first, the first version of that song had a really bad chorus, um, and then we did. We were. This is indicative of our style, actually. I think the story of how that song came to be was. It was one of the songs that uh, generally I think our songs are kind of often they come out of jams or uh, a lyric that one of us has or a riff one of us starts playing and it's all improvised and we tweak it. This is a song that to some extent Bruno came to us with and was like, "Here's a riff and some vocals." that work for the for the verse and we kind of went from there and that's actually quite uh, an in-depth like professional way of doing it compared to how we normally do things but we the chorus and that's kind of why it sounds more like a cohesive yeah, exactly. pop song I think is, is because it has that kind of like and, and, and I think it's the only one really that does sound like a pop song to be honest no, sorry go right. on, uh, the point is that the, the chorus we came up with that first day when we were writing it was rubbish it was it was a it was a bit weird it was a bit more punky it was it was kind of in the same vein as the verses and then we were just like ah fuck it and i started playing the version that we currently have the the sort of picked guitar chords and um and we just started doing essentially like a velvet underground ripoff like a joke a sort of like piss take of a slightly like loungier version um, it was almost like you're like oh let's play it in a different genre for a bit so we can get this out of our heads and start again in the punk genre and we were like actually that's better than yeah. the version we had let's keep that and, and I remember we played it for a couple of se- a couple of things just as a joke before we were like willing to admit to ourselves that the joke version we'd improvised was much superior I will say actually all of us well at least most of our songs have had like jazz lounge iterations mm-hmm. yeah. that like <laughs> we have not played to the public like they're, they're, we've basically just like written all these like different versions of like a lot of our songs just because it's just quite fun to play a song and like oh we're going to play this song as like a pop punk song yeah, or we like do we're going to play this yeah. song as a yeah we do that <laughs> so, a lot so I mean, a, a, bit, I, a bit I, like I would like to do a bit like Richard Cheese, yeah, a bit yeah, like, yeah, a bit like yeah, Richard exactly Cheese, like Richard yeah, Cheese. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but there's lots of you know, let's make this this same song uh, as we're currently writing, but make it all power chords and pizza and pool parties, and do like kind of tail end of pop punk in the mainstream version of it, and have fun with that. And we didn't ever use any of those, but we used the lounge bit of that song. 
yeah well yeah, I, exactly. I, I suppose that's the thing isn't it when, when you've been playing like you like you guys were saying you play songs live for so long and they're not necessarily down on tapes so you're not tied to a particular version and then when you actually sit in the studio and you go oh actually we can tweak this a little bit and it sounds way more interesting that's the the, the sort of magic that you you'll find when you're actually in the studio yeah. i suppose um but, you know, it um, sounds absolutely amazing. Like I said, guys, the album's absolutely spot on. Um, and I definitely think it's captured um, your live energy um, and wrapped it up nicely in a little package. So uh, really, really well done. Um, so we'll move away from the album now and we'll get on to the last bit of the podcast, if that's all right. And we'll talk around the top gigs that you've played and the top gigs that you've been to. So um, I don't mind what order we do this in. So um, somebody can kick off top gigs played. Well, we did have one that I think... Um, so the uh, the band, we, we met in Cardiff, right? That's where Bruno and I uh, were both... We were all there at uni, but Bruno and I were like in the same class, you know, both studying the same subject. So... Um, Cardiff was where, for a long time, we kind of were based. And um, I think one of the really early gigs that sort of we were excited about and like in hindsight was incredibly influential on how we then went forward was a gig that was uh, played in a venue that until recently before we played it, it was a Greek restaurant with a tiny little cellar that had like, you know, the little table, the little round tables with the wine bottle with the waxy candle. Um, and my my partner, she's a jazz double bassist and she used to gig in there. Um, but they they turned it into something else and the downstairs was, was completely like unrefurbished. It was just like bare stone walls, like gravelly floor, like freezing cold in the middle of summer, you know, one of those. And um, and we, uh, we were supposed to play a gig there uh, with with some other local bands and for some reason I don't know why but so many people showed up for us and it was really busy and like we were on like sort of an hour from when uh, it started getting busy and we were really excited and then we realised that it was getting dark because it was midsummer and um, the downstairs basement didn't have any lights like not not just <laughs> oh, it God. didn't have any lights on the stage um, it was just it just didn't have any power this well they had like the... a power strip which we used for amps and that so i lived about five minutes bruno and i uh were we all living there at the time i think we were were actually yeah it was when we were living, living together, together. Yeah. Like the first year that we'd really started taking That's it right. seriously yeah. Yeah. so we were all living together about 15 minute walk up the roads and uh the guys make fun of me for having so many lamps you can actually see there's a lamp there <laughs> there's a lamp there we call every, it we call him henry two lamps, lamps. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> I, like I don't yeah. like having an overhead light. Right? <laughs> anyway, so I had a bunch of lamps, and we, we did have several lamps of our, you know, in different rooms in our house. And we all ran down and got every lamp we could, and like just every light source, and like basically just carried them uh, completely down the road, sort of. Um, if we'd had a shopping trolley, we would have used that, but we didn't. So, um, you sort of so you just look like th- you just look like three mental young men exactly. carrying it, or or lamp thieves uh, mm-hmm. potentially as well. <laughs> Lucrative if business. If anything, for me, it, it shows that like you know 
the state of like the Cardiff <laughs> music scene. I mean, I love oh, Cardiff like, music we, scene. We, he promised like, he wouldn't do a, a show rant in, about in, the in Cardiff the music scene. <laughs> he promised he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do a rant about it's, the Cardiff music scene. It's getting so straight over. The venue's just getting so pressured. In a way that Bristol feels too, don't get me wrong, with the stag and everything. But Cardiff is Cardiff is a scene that... Like the community is amazing, uh, if a little bit fractured sometimes. It's all there. It's amazing. But this was a venue that I think we were the only. It was the only gig they ever put on, and they closed almost immediately after we played. Um, and it's just so much turnover and so much turmoil. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lovely gig in the end because it was it was lamp lit. It was very romantic. No one could hear a thing because it was just a big big concrete box, you know. Uh, but it was that was a that was the first time I think. Um, we, we had a crowd that were there for us and were really excited to see us, even if I think they didn't really know what we were doing or what to expect from us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the thing is, like, at the time I was doing a lot of theatre and I think just a lot of people were like, oh, we haven't seen his band yet. Let's go watch his band. So a bunch of people were just like, because, you know, if you meet most, most people meet me and they, I say I'm in a band, they think I'm going to be in some sort of like kooks tribute band yeah. or something. <laughs> so, so they were like, oh, yeah, yes. it's going to probably be something like super chill and indie. And like, you know, it was completely packed. There were loads of people in there and we just like played fucking like crazy twisted ankle punk show and it was great and they were all very yeah, receptive their minds melted it, it was it was great yeah it was really really good that show was interesting because I, I like I, I was quite well uh, I was kind of in the scene yeah. already because I'd known some people I'd played with the I, the guy who put the show on Charlie he was put it on it was like a fundraiser for um I think yeah, it was like it was a Kurdish, or something Kurdish, like that yeah, like the boy charity. PG yeah 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 and um they like like I think they weren't expecting Bruno's theatre friends to turn up. Um, but I remember, like, they booked, like, Artifact. And I think that maybe, like, Artifact are, like, a sort of local band there. They're quite good. Uh, I think and it was... No, Halzilla didn't Hal play that one. play? Did no, Hal... although represent yeah, Halzilla, Hal the most underrated band Swans, in, in, in uh, yeah, Wales. Yeah, Halzilla are great. Yeah, and, like, and like who, I, I can't remember. There was a, I think there was, like, some other bands playing it. But it was, like, yeah, that, like... That show was 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 like we played a few shows in that in that group like of people and like it, it was good to like interact with that early on. I think we got you know we know where roots are and like you know they they like it's worth checking out all those bands from that scene like Pipe Dream now Pipe Dream we we played like maybe one or two shows with them and they're like they're re they're getting somewhere now like you know. Like, so I think Cardiff's got something yeah, good on. That, 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 scene, that kind of small section of the scene thrives on house shows and did for a long time. Um, yeah. Like party oh, yeah. shows and Massively. stuff like that. And they, they make do. They do a really good job of that. And this was a, this was a kind of expression of that when yeah. they were playing in a venue that wasn't really a venue at all. Um, yeah. But that was, that, was form, that was formative, certainly. That's, that's a really good one to start on. And yeah, I think it's really important to touch on, like, I think a lot of people, uh, even in like some of the scenes that we run in and the gigs that we go to, aren't aware of these pockets in the country. I mean, they're all over the place uh, around like house show house shows. Uh, I know when I moved to London initially, I used to go to like punk house shows down the road, uh, a place called Asbury Castle. That's now unfortunately the 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 people that live there have moved on so there aren't any more house punk shows in south london so it's like those little places are, are really really important so yeah it's really good to talk about guys um yeah so uh a couple more um top gigs played um anyone got any other top ones we played uh, it was like this metal club in in uh in cardiff called fuel <laughs> 
and it was like this festival and we were on at like one in the afternoon oh, yeah, i remember yeah, working yeah. in this pub called the city arms with eddie this punk guy with a mohawk called eddie big up to eddie if you even even bother listening to this but like he was the only person there <laughs> that whole set we played like three songs to it right <laughs> And like, so we played like three songs, and the system was so hot, loud, and like yeah. epic. Like, it was like it was like, to, like it was like insane for like one dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like uh, yeah. obviously, you know, obviously, we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're not talking about that one, Joe. Talk, oh, talk, about, was... talk about the McCluskey one. <laughs> yeah, that was a great. Yeah, show, that yeah. that was a surreal experience surreal so, so surreal i remember like playing the gig and like at one point i got up off behind my drum kit and like walked and did some did some inane shit i walked up to the, the crowd and i realized how far back it, how the crowd was going to like the doorway and i immediately like in my brain went oh my god this is the biggest crowd i've ever played in front of and i was just like Woo! and it's not you know usually you get like you're first on, you think that'll be a handful it was, of people it was, there. It was pretty but, like, full you, you, by that you, point. I, I remember, yeah. And I, I was, I was just like, it made me realise that, like, I know a lot of people there because they want to have a good time and see bands. But it made you like maybe well on something. <laughs> it, it was, it was a good show, and like, it, it for, for for yeah, for all of us, for the band, it was such a huge experience. Like, obviously, we are not talking about other shows, which. Like JT Saw, yeah. for example. Uh, like, Bruno, what one do you want to talk about, man? I like. No, I'd like to talk about JT Saw. So that, that was a re- that was a really good gig. That, I mean, like there is there are a lot of gigs that I'd like to talk about. Uh, JT Saw was great fun. Um, we were on tour, and we, we all got we've all got. We, unfortunately, you can't see because it's a podcast. We've all got these tattoos that we stupidly kind of semi drunkenly got on tour, um, and it was just like a proper toilet tour. Very embarrassing. We got way too drunk. I got way too drunk, and I, and I say I'm not saying that in like a sort of semi proud. Yeah, punk, I got way too drunk. In a sort of like, I'm really embarrassed about how drunk I got. I think it was really ir- irresponsible. I I think like. If we did that tour again, I would do it completely differently. But it was great fun. And we played in Nottingham in this place called Jadesaw, which if you don't know, is like uh, it's like a vegetable market turned independent venue slash recording yeah. studio, studio slash upstairs. bring your own booze. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Mm. And um, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to throw shade on this place, for, but um, we, we played to a crowd of potentially... But not, I'm not going to make any legal implications. Potentially people who weren't necessarily of drinking age. But I'm not going to suggest that, that they weren't of drinking age. <laughs> well, it was some 15-year-old, right, who, who listened to us online. Yeah, so basically it was just like a, bun- a bunch of kids had just like decided to listen to us online. And like they were like, oh yeah, I like them. Let's go watch their gig. So they all came like white stripe in hand. Um, and like you know, like Ace, uh, what's yeah, it called? White, um, yeah. white Lightning and stuff. And like they all had like big bottles of big bottles of cider, and they all just learned our songs. And like it was the first time, and probably the only time, let's be honest, that we had a crowd of people singing our lyrics back to us just because they happened to check out a couple of YouTube videos, you know. And like it was just messy, and we got drunk, and they got drunk. I, I have to say, to 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 clarify something about that. It was only the one kid who actually knew our music. He had just invited all of his mates. Yeah, but it's a much better story if they all knew the music, One kid that knew your music. He was just like, I I know a banging Friday night out. 
Yeah, but, but I think it's better that they were like just going crazy for us with no prior knowledge. Um, well, whatever the better case, version uh, of the story is, I guess Adam can, can choose that one and then put that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this, this bit on that tour where Bruno would give his bass to one of the crowd members to play the solo oh, with nice. Ice Cream Van. And I remember he did that. He did that in JT Saw. And the kid it was went, just like, really well. he was just like, he didn't, he didn't realize he would have it on him. Like it was different to the Brighton show where we played with like, who was it? Uh, they will kill me cover? for not remembering their name. Uh, no, the one, the one in Brighton, it, the, they're really good. Oh, uh, what they called? Well, Exploded. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played with Exploded the New in Brighton, and like you gave the bass to the, the bassist from uh, from Exploded the New, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, showing us yeah. all up. It's great. <laughs> like, the, but the, and, and then the kid in and the kid in Nottingham was just like, he was, he was <laughs> wasted, man. Um, yeah, he was completely wasted. It was uh, great. And we yeah. have no evidence to suggest that he was uh, not of legal drinking. Yeah, he was anyway. absolutely uh, a uh, gent. Um, we 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 can neither we can neither deny or confirm whether uh, that that kid was there and whether he was of legal drinking age. Uh, just to cover our back. <laughs> um, so that, um, that's really great guys um, just thinking about time so um, uh, let's talk about some of the gigs, uh, top gigs you've been to as fans so maybe choose one example each um, one amazing gig that you've been to I, I think I mean there's so many obviously loads but one that stands out to me um, was before I lived in Bristol um, and I came to Bristol to watch it uh, which was in, and it's not this anymore, but it was the Marble Factory, um, which was Swans. And they just, they just completely blew me away. Like it was such a, such a big experience for me. Um, just watching, watching kind of seasoned rock veterans, I guess they are, because they've been doing it for years. And like, um, I've forgotten his name. That's not very music, muso of me, is it? Michael Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, he was just like, he was incredible and they were all, and there were like 18 of them and they were all incredible and it was like watching an orchestra perform, but it was rock, essentially. And, and I never watched anything like that before. I mean, I've, I've been to watch a lot of classical music because I love classical music and there was something in between classical music and watching a gig. It just was a, a sweet spot for me. Like they all took bows after each song and each song was kind of, you know, like 20 minutes long and had like intros. And, um, and I just, I could have watched four hours of that. I, I really could have just been there for four or five hours and I wouldn't have got bored. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, th I think bands like that and like Godspeed You Black Emperor, they're, they're, they just sit in their, their own, uh, well, I say little world, they're not little worlds, these epic worlds where they're just something completely different i remember yeah i remember seeing Sw i've only seen swans once um and yeah it was incredible they annoyingly i was supposed to see them this year in london mm. but obviously everything got cancelled um but yeah great great example bruno um yeah uh henry uh, what would be your one of your top gigs Ooh. ever then that you would want to chat about that's a good question so um I uh, this is going to be another big, loud, heavy, atmospheric one. Unfortunately, it's not going to be very diverse. Nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Joe and I, when we went to uh, Temple's Festival in Bristol, in the same actually emotion, uh, and and the Mobile Factory, so it's the same venue. Um, we saw Sun, uh, who have been. Uh, 
since basically banned from playing uh, in Bristol, I think. Um, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Sum. Um, that that band they they take they they transport you in a way that I don't think anything else I've seen live personally does. Um, and there's something theatrical there that um, appeals to me in a big way. It's less it's it's the absolute opposite of the bowing. If you th- if you think about it like that, there's a a costumed kind of theatrical presentation that's that's so important to it that it's it's so experienced um, I don't know I think I think it was I'm a bit of a sensate you know like a really hot bath um, <laughs> if you know what I mean and this is like the, yeah, the yeah. audio equivalent of the hottest bath that you could possibly stand <laughs> and that to me was uh, just just being able to bask in that um, is incredibly yeah. cathartic uh, so yeah that's that's probably mine um, at least yeah definitely def- yeah definitely um I-, I missed them when they played roundhouse but i think they when, when was this because i think they played last they year, did, the year yes. before in bristol yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it was that they were they uh i think it was that temples doesn't happen anymore because of the trouble that came from sun playing uh i think it's more that than it is um they weren't allowed because they played um in bristol like you say in, in broadmead whatever that venue is called uh swx yeah, yeah. Uh, and i was there too actually yeah um that was great, great gig as well. Really good, uh, like trombone uh, improvisation uh, during that yeah. one as well. It was amazing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I haven't seen them for years, but I remember there's a guy that I know that did sound for that that last Bristol gig, and he was taking pictures <laughs> of like the the setup for the amps, and he was going, "This is gonna take all day, like quite literally yeah. take all day." Um, and it's yeah, it's just insane. Just even looking at those pictures over the internet and you're just like how like how like how is this a thing mm-hmm. like for and for and for them to appeal again to appeal to quite an eclectic audience as well which is which is really wicked um so joe uh what's your uh pick then for top gig for some reason is trash talk in bristol in the crofters rights before it was called the crofters rights when it was just called the croft and the stage was different. It might have been my memory serving me wrong, but like, did you ever go to the Crofts before it was the no, Crofts? No, I, I, I haven't. I've personally. only been in, like, I went last year, I think, for the first time. Yeah, so like, I, I, I went to see a band, uh, tra- I think it was Trash Talk, and they were playing just around the time Destroy yeah. had come out. So they're like the big album, the one with like, or is it called 119? I can't remember, but it's like that big out... The, the one that got them, like, mainstream yeah. attention and, like, the, the sheer energy of, like, that straight, like, California hardcore, like, really, really, like, you know, they are... Com- that power of that, like, performance, it always sticks with me. And the, 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 they were just... People were just cr- constantly crowd surfing. My mate Paul Collier did a fucking backflip off to, like, the speaker... <laughs> There's like a picture of it. It was the I didn't stage like me. A big, a big dude did a I bet people were shitting dive. themselves. They just <laughs> saw you on stage go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it was like a bit like that. But like but yeah, like I, I man. Like you know you know you, you always remember that time you see a band in yeah. the venue that small, with that much power, that much energy, that they put the mic in your mouth and you sing words. And I always remember like just just randomly yelling because a lot of what he says in trash talk is just like how much he hates living in California or how much or how much he loves it and like and, and it's just like 
like it was before I met you guys, and I don't know, like that's the one that like really comes to mind right now. Is 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 is, is, is it was just so intense. I think the narwhals supported. Oh wow! Yeah, the yeah, narwhals? yeah. They're like a they're like a weird like they're like a weird yeah. surf punk band that do like funny songs, but like. They played, and then Trash Talk came on, and it was just like, <laughs> hell has been raised with a Hawaiian, Hawaiian jacket. jacket. It's a very lightweight jacket. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, like, but like, they just like, if you've ever watched any Trash Talk live videos or ever seen anything, they are just completely, absolutely, like, one of the most intense live bands in a small venue that I've ever seen. Like, only matched by some videos of Death yeah. Grips that I've seen. And like, I think they don't get a lot of like plaudits from from the people in our scene mainly because they're quite a huge band but at one point they were like they were they were one of the best hardcore bands on the scene in life in terms of live show they're obviously great on record like shame is one of my favorite compilation yeah. albums it's got great artwork but like just just that energy reminded me a little bit of dillinger as well it's just so just i love that american hardcore like straight up power violence almost like just like Blast beats, yelling, stop, next song, crazy stage dives, slow bit, crowd chant, yeah. next song, everyone goes crazy. It's just like constant, just, like never ending. And like they put like a whole yeah, album just, in there. Yeah, it just pummels you in the face. And I remember the last time I saw them, I saw them with um, Deez Nuts, who, um, it, that getting announced. And I think it was a co-headline tour, so it was like they'd headline uh, differently each night. And uh, yeah, Trash Talk played, brilliant. And then these nuts came on. I think I lost about two songs, and I was like, "I'm out of here." See you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because, it, because yeah, no, again, it, you're it, right. Like, just you watch Trust Talk, and you're like, "Nothing can beat this for me tonight." I need, I'm I can I'm happy. I can go home. Um, it's like watching the Bronx. Uh, it's like that kind of band. Mm -hmm. You just get pummeled in the face. And it's perfect, and you just go home, and you're just happy. Um, I hate, like I hate say, playing uh, after a band yeah, that's like, like that. Like there have been a few yeah, times that we've had, <laughs> there have been bands. I mean, there, there was actually a band. I've forgotten their name, which is really rude of me. There was a band that came, and to be fair, like they were like okay band-wise, but they were so mental. It was in Cardiff. It was in Moon Club, and they were like they were like throwing speakers around, and they like got like told off by the security. Oh, they were amazing, and the guy and like, they were like the guy did the, the they were just gig, mental, like, in a and like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we went up on stage after that, and there was just no way that our, like, slightly absurd antics could really top it, because they genuinely were just slightly medically insane. And, like, we were just kind of up there sort of pretending to be. And I think that, like, yeah, th there's nothing worse than having to follow a band that just, like, gives everything they have into, like, a performance. And hopefully people feel like that after us, to be fair. Yeah, and I think that is a perfect place to finish because I totally agree. Um, and yeah, any anyone that's listening, uh, go and see these three guys live uh, when we when we can all eventually see shows again. Um, so just to wrap up the podcast, guys, um, where can people pick up your album from? Uh, yeah, so essentially we have it obviously on our Bandcamp. Uh, but we are good friends at Breakfast Records. They uh, they helped us out by making uh, CDs for us. And uh, obviously, they've, they've been hosting all our videos. It's worth checking out all their stuff. They're, they're just two dudes like in Bristol. And they've been a really, they've been they've done a stellar job in like, helping us out this whole this whole time. And like Get your mate to buy it and, and steal their files, whatever. You don't have to pay us. Just, just, just distribute <laughs> oh, just, it. Just to clarify, sorry. 
Because there might be a bit of confusion because of the way we spell the band name. Twisted Ankle is actually spelled P-H-E-A-S um, A-N-T-C-I-R-C-U-S um, and you can find uh, you can find us everywhere. Yeah, uh, def- definitely Google it with those letters in that order and you will uh, you will find Twisted Ankle's album. Um, well, thank you so much guys for coming on. Um, that was a really, oh, really great chat. Our pleasure. Thank you, um, thank you so much. And yeah, and we'll, uh, I will hopefully see you in the near future down in Bristol. Yeah.